The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Soak Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Yesterday's episode was part one of my reflections on my upcoming winter break 2022, which by the time you listen to this, then, God willing, I will have already commenced the winter break, uh, but I'm actually recording this on Thursday morning before I leave, and that's going to be important for the content here. So, unlike yesterday's episode which focused on a specific theme. This one's going to be uh, 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 several uh, miscellaneous themes here. So we're going to start with a reading from Seneca's letter number two and Marcus Aurelius's Meditations book four, chapter three, which if you are a longtime listener of the Stoke Jew podcast, you may recognize this, this pairing because uh, this was, I believe, the first episode I recorded after last year's winter break. Um, or maybe during last year's winter break, now that I think about it, was I working, was I making episodes during the break? Oh man, if so, then that past me really needs to listen to yesterday's episode. Anyway, so the one line I'm going to pull out of Seneca's letter number two is, the primary indication to my thinking of a well-ordered mind is a man's ability to remain in one place and linger in his own company. Um, that's very reminiscent of the famous statement from Blaise Pascal, which I could not track down the source this morning, uh, which is, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And Marcus Aurelius, in Meditations Book 4, Chapter 3, elaborates on this. He says, men look for retreats for themselves, the country, the seashore, the hills, and you yourself, too, are peculiarly accustomed to feel the same want. Yet all this is very unlike a philosopher, when you may, at any hour you please, retreat into yourself. For nowhere does a man retreat into more quiet or more privacy than his own mind, than into his own mind, especially one who has within such things as that he only has to look into and to become at once in perfect ease. And by ease, I mean nothing else but good behavior. Continually, therefore, grant yourself this retreat and repair yourself. But let them be brief and fundamental truths, which will suffice at once by their presence to wash away all sorrow and to send you back without repugnance to the life to which you return. Now, I think uh, you know, in, in yesterday's episode, we talked about Ryan Holiday's commentary about how of the two, Marcus Aurelius and Seneca, Marcus Aurelius was far more driven and had uh, did not have as healthy of a life-work balance. And I think you can kind of see glimmers of that here, that he says, you don't need a vacation. You know, just retreat into your own mind and think about truths for a little while, <laughs> you know? So, but even Marcus Aurelius is, is recognizing the benefit of being of being able to take that time of, uh, uh, that moment of mindfulness and to regain your presence. Now, last year, again, reflecting back to, to January, 2021, then, you know, that's that retreat, that cabin retreat, or really my yurt retreat, was when I first really started seriously experimenting with meditation. Uh, when I did the uh, Naval Ravikant uh, one hour a day of sitting and doing nothing, which I made four episodes about uh, in January 2021, uh, which if there's room, I'll, I'll hyperlink them below. And I, I, so I didn't have the tool of meditation last year in the same way that I have it now. I've been practicing it, you know, uh, on a daily basis uh, since, since January. And so I think that I will be able to get more out of it this year than I did last year. Furthermore, 
in January 2021, I had not yet read any of Tara Brock's books and did not have the tool of the sacred pause. And I've made episodes on this as well. But let me just read to you two paragraphs from her book, Radical Acceptance, when she introduces the notion of the sacred pause. She says, learning to pause is the first step in the practice of radical acceptance. A pause is a suspension of activity, a time of temporary disengagement when we no longer when we are no longer moving toward any goal. Unlike the frantic pilots, which she described in the earlier muscle, we stop asking, what can I do? What do I do next? The pause can occur in the midst of almost any activity and can last for an instant, for hours, or for seasons of our life. We may take a pause from our ongoing responsibilities by sitting down to meditate. We may pause in the midst of meditation to let go of thoughts and reawaken our attention to the breath. We may pause by stepping out of daily life to go on a retreat or to spend time in nature or take a sabbatical. We may pause in conversation, letting go of what we're about to say in order to genuinely listen and be with the other person. We may pause when we suddenly feel moved or delighted or saddened, delighted or saddened, allowing the feelings to play through our heart. In a pause, we simply discontinue whatever we are doing, thinking, talking, walking, writing, planning, worrying, eating, and become wholeheartedly present, attentive, and often physically still. You might try it now. Stop reading and sit there, doing no thing, and simply notice what you are experiencing. That was where you were supposed to pause. Okay, a pause is by nature time limited. We resume our activities, but we do so with increased presence and more ability to make choices. In the pause before sinking our teeth into a chocolate bar, for instance, we might recognize the excited tingle of anticipation and perhaps a background cloud of guilt and self-judgment. We may then choose to eat the chocolate, fully savoring the taste sensations, or we might decide to skip the chocolate and instead go out for a run. When we pause, we don't know what will happen next. But by disrupting our habitual behaviors, we open to the possibility of new and creative ways of responding to our wants and fears. So again, I did not know the idea of the sacred pause in January of 2021. And uh, and once I learned about it in April or May, then I started using it consciously in different ways, both integrated with the mitzvah system, as we've talked about before, or just uh, as a technique in general. But I feel like I actually, in these last couple of months, have lost touch with the sacred pause. Even though I do, I've still done meditation, I still do mindful eating, I still do you know, my, my, my uh, mezuzah pause, I still do the talus meditation. There are a bunch of these forms of the sacred pause that I take. I feel like I have not been doing it spontaneously anymore. And I, also, I certainly haven't done it for a very long time. So I think one of the things I'm going to try to do on this, on this winter break is to, to reignite the habit or reinvigorate uh, the habit of the sacred pause. And I actually encountered another excerpt from Seneca. This is from letter number 83, uh, in which he, he provides, uh, I think, a good focus in this sacred pause that, uh, that I'll be taking. So he says, I will keep wa- constant watch over myself and most usefully will put each day up for review. For what makes us evil is that none of us looks back upon our own lives. We reflect upon only that which we are about to do. And yet our plans for the future descend from the past. So this is, again, one of the one of the features of my daily life is the daily grind of always thinking about what's next, always thinking about the next year, always preparing for the next week's worth of, uh, of classes. And I see the value in the sacred pause of stopping from focusing on the future and being present. But I do think that this sacred pause that I, I have now come to annually take in in January of every year 
is also a good opportunity to reflect on the past. I mean, I kind of did that in my birthday episode this past Monday, where I reflected on the changes that have occurred throughout the year. But I think just a more localized pause of reflecting back on the semester and seeing, in terms of my life-work balance, how I have been operating. And 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 I think there's a difference between, you know, between stopping during the daily grind and looking back versus stopping, pausing, allowing the dust to settle. And then when I'm not in the throes of, of, of the daily grind, looking back at the past in order to prepare for the future. That's a subtle new uh, difference, but I do think experientially, if you've tried either of those, then you'll, you'll notice the difference as well. So that's something I hope to do. Um, switching gears, <laughs> another stoic idea that I've been thinking about is uh, the premeditatio malorum, right? Uh, the idea of the, uh, the, um, why am I blanking on the translation? Premeditation of evils. That's what it is. The premeditation of evils of thinking about what can go wrong, or as Shlomo Melch says, um, altis halal biom machar kilo ma, lo ma yelid yom. Let me look at this. Ma seled yom, ma yelid yom. Hold on. Let me look at the actual pasuk. Uh, where is this? This is in, uh, just one second. Is it chapter 27 in Mishle? Let's look it up. I should have looked this up ahead of time. Chapter 27. Boom, it is. Altis Hal is 27.1. Altis Halel Biom Mahar Kiloseda Ma Yeladyom. Yeah. So do not praise yourself about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring. Um, so I have been ex- uh, as I mentioned in my birthday episode, I have been extremely nervous about whether or not this winter break is gonna happen for me because Right now, in January 2022, Omicron is raging and uh, surging, peaking. I don't know what point we're at today. And I was very concerned that I might come down with coronavirus and that that would jeopardize my travel plans. And I uh, that's why I delighted in getting sick last week, because I thought that that was Omicron, and I thought that that would at least give me a little bit of an immunity so that I wouldn't have to uh, cancel my plans or I wouldn't be in danger of bringing this home to my parents. Uh, but as as uh, I said, that it turns out I did not have coronavirus. And then this week, then it turns out that coronavirus is not yet gone from the yeshiva dorm uh, where, I, where I teach. And so I've been wearing my N95, uh, but still worried about maybe getting it and bringing it back. I have a uh, a, a test. Uh, I know rapid tests are not always the most reliable when it comes to Omicron, but I have a rapid test scheduled for half an hour from from this moment. Um, and so, like, I've been, you know, hyper aware that there are things that could be that could interfere with my travel plans. You know, I was worried about the weather. I was worried about the cancellations of the flights due to uh, under understaffing to to shortage of staff. So it's interesting. These last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about all these things that could go wrong, and. As a result of that, I've been not allowing myself to to accept the fact that this that this trip is actually going to happen. That I'm actually might be able to go back to back home to Seattle. And last night, as I was struggling a lot with my insomnia, then it started to dawn on me that like maybe this is actually going to happen. And I, 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 as soon as I had that thought, I was like, no, don't think that because maybe if you think it, then it's going to make the bad things happen. And that's when I realized that like, there's a, a category of, you know, people say don't jinx it. Right. And as someone who is coming from a 
rationalist Maimonidean framework. Obviously, I don't believe in jinxes, you know. Um, and I and I you know and even before that, like I I never consciously at least remember having a feeling like as a kid, even before I was Jewish, like worrying about jinxing something, you know. But then that emotion showed up last night when I was finally like allowing myself to believe that maybe this thing will actually happen. Then I had this recoil, like I recoiled backwards and said like, no, don't think that until it actually happens. And I realized that there is this like, there is this superstitious, infantile, childish feeling that I have where like, if I allow myself to think that this thing is going to happen, then that itself could somehow have an impact on the universe and make it not happen. Like maybe the flight will get canceled or maybe like my, you know, it'll make my rapid test come back positive or I'll get into an accident on the way to the airport or something like that. And it was kind of shocking to me that this, that this superstitious, irrational feeling had been buried under this, this, practice of a rational stoic virtue of premeditatio malorum and to me it was just an astounding example about how how the the how avodazara how superstitious thinking lurks in at every corner you know and can 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 get you when you least expect it and where you least expect it and i just had never never picked up on that in my um in my uh, uh in this particular uh, manifestation so that was another thing that I wanted to uh, to just express here uh, in regards to premeditatio malorum. Uh, there was one more point I was going to make, which was, oh, so this is something else that I think that bears mentioning. And even though it's something about me, then I think it is enough. Uh, I, I, okay, let, let me back up for a second. Marcus Aurelius talks a lot about a person's responsibility to the system to the society, you know, like, like a good Mishleic tzaddik, Marcus Aurelius was concerned about the system and recognized that he had a role and a responsibility to play. And as Ryan Holiday pointed out in the commentary I read yesterday, you know, Marcus Aurelius was very hard on himself and did not take breaks. And I think part of that is this feeling that like, if I am part of a system, then the system cannot survive if I take a break, you know? And in my case, with this particular break, then I'm feeling this a little bit more because I'm taking my break earlier than the official yeshiva break. You know, the official yeshiva break is going to start on the 20th, and I'm taking my break uh, starting today on the 13th. And you know, I give uh, I give three to four shirim in yeshiva uh, every day. And is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, three to four shirim every day. See, I'm starting to forget already. Um, and there's this feeling, like this irrational feeling of like, if I don't give the shirim like my Talmudim aren't going to learn, you know? And really that's just ridiculous. Like, 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 okay, fine. Maybe there's going to be a, a couple students who, if they don't have the shear to go to, then they're not going to learn. But first of all, that's on them. That's not on me. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing stopping them from learning. I have plenty of recorded content that they can listen to and they can learn with a Chavrusa. They could do their own learning project. They can even give shear. I even offered for them to give shear in my absence uh, as an exercise that will uh, help them to develop. But the irrationality so the irrationality comes from from me taking the blame for what other people do. But then there's the fact that none of us are indispensable, right? I mean, you know, the the greatest uh, greatest human being who ever existed, Moshe Rabbeinu, what you know, died uh, and was not allowed to go into Eretz Israel, and Yehoshua had to lead them in. And you know, and yeah, would Moshe have been better? Yeah, he would have. But it's not he's not indispensable. You know, no no single person is indispensable. So I think that 
there is this guilt for for people like myself and Marcus Aurelius who are like workaholics and who put pressure on themselves um, uh, to uphold the responsibilities. There is this feeling that if I let go at all, or if I don't contribute to the system in the way that I am expected to, then everything's going to collapse. And I think just realizing the fallacy of that thinking, that that's just, as Epictetus would say, that's just an impression. And that's not really what reality is. I think realizing that can also help uh, to help people like us to let go and to take these breaks that we actually need, as I talked about yesterday. So those are my thoughts. <laughs> um, that's it for today's episode. And that is it for the next two weeks. Uh, I, uh, I hope that I could succeed in not making episodes uh, of the Stoke Jew podcast in the next uh, two weeks and not even thinking about it. I think that uh, I'm poised and set up much better this year than last year. So I hope that I will be able to um, to succeed in that goal. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, that is it for today's episode. Um, if you've gained from what you've learned here, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Weiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt Schneeweiss, and my Zelle and PayPal are matchschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. And I'm going to add here uh, that there's a special uh, need for the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund here. Uh, if you would like to, you know, those of you who have contributed, I assume, are contributing to fund the Torah content. But remember, based on yesterday's episode, me taking this break is uh, is critical for producing Torah, Torah content because I need to restore the fertility of my mind. So what's one thing that I'm going to need is firewood, <laughs> okay, is that I plan on, on enjoying a nice uh, wood fire during my week in the cabin. So you know how on the internet... Uh, people have like on certain on their websites they'll have like buy me a coffee and you could like contribute to them to buy a coffee for them. If you'd like to buy me firewood uh, to sustain to fuel the uh, the restoration of my mind, uh, then that would be most welcome. Uh, I don't know what firewood prices are these days <laughs> because usually the Airbnb host provides, but uh, this time I have to buy my own. So uh, that's just an option if you want to sponsor something other than direct or content. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnameos at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.